Flight Guys Turkey, coming to you weekly from Istanbul. Your smart guide to the state of Turkey. Welcome to Zeitgeist Turkey. This is Jansu Çamlıbel. Still coming to you from my apartment in Istanbul, despite the fact that most Istanbulites went back to normal through the course of the last week at a speed of light. Cafes, restaurants, even the high-end ones are full as far as I can follow. All the businesses have been announcing that they have taken the necessary measures and they are abiding by the social distancing rules. However, judging by the real-time pictures pouring from the city, one could say that even putting a mask on is quickly becoming a thing of the past for some people. Going back to normal is obviously inevitable at one point for all the nations around the world. People have to make a living. But my fear is that this has been a very quick transition from one extreme to the other in only one week. And I find it utterly risky for an overcrowded city, overpopulated city like Istanbul. But I also wish from the bottom of my heart that time will prove me wrong and we won't have a second wave of the coronavirus outbreak in Turkey this summer. As other aspects of life seem to pick up from where we left off, it feels that it's no different for the political scene. The parliament in Ankara had a very busy week and the week ended with a very disturbing set of events. We will try to analyze what's going on in Ankara with my co-host, Can Selçuk'i. Can, hi. Hi Cansu. How have you Good been to hear last you. week? Good to talk to you too. Last week was uh, re going back to normal for me. We opened our offices. Uh, some of our staff started coming in. Of course, with some social distancing rules and all the disinfectants and, and whatnot. But as you, as you said, I think the city is back to normal almost completely. Obviously, apart from the need to make a living, the fact that it's 30 degrees and sunny doesn't help either. People want to go out, including myself, quite frankly, after being cooped up in a flat for the past two and a half months. Going forward, we will go back to fully being normal uh, very quickly. And let me just say one thing maybe on the social distancing measures. In a city like Istanbul, I just don't find them realizable because this city is characterized by being overcrowded. And if, you know, everybody goes back to normal, I, I think it's rather impossible to uh, abide by any rules. Right. And uh, as you said, you're back to the office. And I know you have been having important business meetings and even with some top officials from different political parties as well. You don't have to name names, but perhaps you can give us hints about what each party is intending to do these days. However... I would like to start with the three members of the parliament, three deputies who lost their seats at the parliament and were immediately sent to jail last Friday evening. We are talking about two deputies from the People's Democratic Party, HDP, and one main opposition, Republican People's Party, CHP deputy, Enis Berberoğlu. They were all stripped of their statuses as members of parliament on June 4th 
And this decision was announced by the Deputy Parliament Speaker. There was quite a tense environment at the Parliament as this happened because we understood very quickly that CHP and HDP were not notified. They didn't have a clue that this was coming. Maybe it's it's important to remind our audience that there were cases uh, against these three deputies. Both Güven and Farisolları from HDP, they were tried in the main KCK case, which is the Kurdistan Communities Union. That's uh, the abbreviation. KCK is, stands for that. Güven was handed six years and Farisolu was handed nine years in prison. Berberoğlu was sentenced to five years and ten months in jail in another case. He was the main character with regards to a story on the Mitrax, the National Intelligence Agency of Turkey. And the story suggested that uh, those trucks were filled with weapons bound for Syria and they were carrying weapons for the jihadists. And uh, this story broke back in 2014. And Enis Berberoğlu, who was the deputy chairman of the party at the time, he was accused of providing footage of those trucks to journalist Can Dündar, who is in exile right now in Germany. And Can Dündar used to be the editor-in-chief of Daily Cumhuriyet. So allegedly Enis Berberoğlu, who was a deputy of CHP, according to the prosecutors, provided the footage of uh, these trucks and he got the footage allegedly from some Gülenist sources. So this was uh, the whole story behind Berberoğlu's former arrest. Turkey's Court of Cassation approved the conviction of Berberoğlu in 2018. However, they postponed the execution of the five-year jail sentence due to his status as a member of parliament. And no steps were taken by the government to strip his status and also the statuses of the two HDP deputies until June 4th. What do you think happened? It's seems, it feels, judging by the developments of the last couple of weeks, the government has a plan. I think the reason why this process was expedited, meaning the end of the term for the members of the parliament wasn't expected, was once again to sort of frame CHP and HDP within the same box and sort of alienate them from other parties of the opposition. For a while now, it's been clear that this is the main strategy of the government leading up to 2023. For the longest time, CHP's relationship with the HDP and the sort of unspoken collaboration during the municipal elections has been a fault line between Nationalist E-Party and CHP. And the government, AK Party, has been probing this fault line ever since, tried to create a wedge between E-Party and CHP. So it seems like this strategy is on full force and we will see other examples that will provoke more both CHP and the HDP and sort of through the reactions that they give to these provocations, they will sort of try to be pushed into the same corner and become alienated from the rest of the uh, opposition. I think this is part of that strategy why uh, the three members of the parliament have been stripped of their membership and put in jail. Now, having said this, Jansu, maybe it's important to remind ourselves and our audience that while this is the government strategy, DHP, the main opposition, has also a part in what happened. Because exactly. a couple of years ago, when there was a vote in the parliament to remove 
parliamentary uh, immunity of members of the parliament, CHP voted in favor. And at the time, the opposition, or let's say the intellectuals of the opposition said, you know, don't do this, this is a huge mistake, and this will come back to bite you. And surely it did last week. It has been the case for HDP members of the parliament for a while now, but also now it came back to bite CHP as well. So they are not without fault in what's happening right now in Turkey. EU Party is doing rather good in the polls, right? Yes, uh, it's doing good, although, I mean, this is a relative term. EU Party's position somewhat changed uh, since 2018 because now it seems like they no longer have a problem with passing the 10% threshold. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not that comfortable there. I mean, they rate somewhere around 10.7, 10.8, but this has been the result consistently now. So this tells us that they no longer actually need the CHP in an alliance to make it to the parliament. They can rather become a party that actually allows other smaller or newer parties to pass the threshold via including those new parties in its own alliance. Now, I'm not suggesting that EU party would switch sides. It can't do that because uh, their electorate will not follow. But I'm saying that they now have a new bargaining chip. Their position has changed and they can actually form a new pulse, so to speak, within the opposition whereby, you know, they could separate from the CHP but gather the new parties under its own alliance and, you know, carry them uh, over the 10% threshold. As the potential of the new parties become more clear in the coming months, I think we will start this discussion uh, picking up as well, Jansson. Very interesting. So what you're suggesting is that the alliance, which has been sticking in the last couple of years between CHP, uh, HDP, and, well, indirectly with HDP, obviously, but uh, CHP, uh, Saadet, and EE, might be splitting and we might be witnessing another alliance in the next months to come. The HDP is making above the threshold as well. So there won't be an alliance needed between CHP and HDP either. Is that is that wrong? You are absolutely right. HDP also doesn't have a threshold problem. So there is no reason for CHP and HDP to get into a formal alliance. Not only is there not a mathematical reasoning, as I've just described, but also there is no demand Jansu, from their base either. I mean, not in the very recent poll that we did, but in the previous one that we did in the middle of May, we asked participants what their ideal alliance would be. And only around 1% of the CHP base actually said that they would like CHP to go into an alliance with the HDP. Now, that figure was higher for the HDP voters, but not higher than 7.5%, meaning there is no demand for such alliance also. So there is no mathematical reason. uh, There is no political reason. So quite frankly, I don't see such an alliance being formed in the near future. That sounds quite liberating for for those parties, because as you said, that was not a very wholeheartedly embraced alliance. As you said, now EE and HDP, they do not look like they have a threshold problem, but somebody else has. MHP 
seems like having a threshold problem. And in terms of the ranking in the recent polls, it's obviously AKP, AKP, CHP, and in the third place, VCE party. So it seems like EA, as of today, has replaced MHP in the ranking. Yeah, it's not that a, that much of a foregone conclusion. They are very close. You know, one month one surpasses the other and the other month uh, the other way around. But MHP, there is more variance, let's say, in MHP's results. Meaning, whereas E-Party is more consistently around 10%, because of the almost free flow between AK Party and MHP, there is much more variance in the share of MHP. So one month they can actually go uh, well below 10% to, you know, 899 And then the next month, you see that the AK Party voters get pissed and they go back to MHP, so they go up to 11% again. So they have more variance. Two weeks ago, when we spoke about the balances in politics, you told us, I remember, that their numbers, MHP and AKP's numbers, the government alliance's numbers, went up in the last month because of how the COVID situation was managed. Are we still talking about the same trend, the rising trend for the governing alliance? Johnson, AK Party and MHP are not clearing the 50% threshold. In the poll that we did last week, AK Party got 36.4% and MHP got 10.6%, which adds up to 47%. So what's happening is that the alliance, it seems, is at the level of the pandemic, till at 47-48 range. But our party is returning to pre-pandemic numbers. Which means? Uh, which means around, you know, 34-35%. So it's, it's going down a little bit. Yes, our party share is going down, but the alliance share is still at the pandemic level, which is higher than the pre-pandemic level. What's happened for the first time uh, this time around, Jansu, uh, is that Ali Babajan's Deva party actually showed up in our poll at oh, 1.5%. And when I look at the breakdown of this 1.5%, a little over half of it comes from the ruling alliance base. The majority of their vote supporters are, are AK Party voters. You know, I said that a little over 50% of their share comes from the ruling alliance's base, but the remaining comes from the opposition base. So it seems like Deva is, for the time being at least, is able to attract people from all political parties. I mean, this is a very positive development, obviously, for them. But, of course, I have to underline their share is just at 1.5% for the time being. And as you said, maybe there won't be a need for a grand coalition, grand alliance in the opposition. But obviously, if there is going to be a presidential candidate which would have a shot in presidency against President Erdogan, then we should still talk about an alliance candidate, no? An alliance candidate is already the case in the second round. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the winner of the first round and the runner-up make it qualify to the second round. So, in effect, whoever from the opposition, if he or she can make it to the second round, becomes the united candidate anyways. The best strategy is to make sure that every political party or every leader maximizes their base. And that can only happen, I think, if there are many presidential candidates in the opposition.
And also, it makes sense to answer from a real politics perspective as well. A single opposition candidate in the first round actually means that the opposition decides that leaders of the newly founded parties don't run for presidency. So that's not the best move for a newly founded party. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, in the new scheme of things, the head of executive is the president and therefore leaders of the political parties are all potential presidential candidates. So it's not realistic as well to expect newly founded opposition parties, leaders to not to be candidates for the presidential race. If we are approaching towards a possible alliance between Meral Akşener's E-Party and two newly founded parties, so if there is at least a search, there is ground for us to suspect that they may be in talks. This is quite interesting. I would be curious to watch if Meral Akşener, strong political figure like her, can pull it off. Because until today, DEVA and Future Party, although they are coming from the same roots, they could not work their differences. It's a rather challenging landscape, I, I agree. But going back to what you said, that Babacan and Davutoğlu could not work out their differences... It's not that they couldn't, they didn't want to. At least one of them didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Mr. Babajan never had such an idea. We know that Mr. Davutoğlu was the more willing part mm-hmm. to, to bring the two parties together. But why I'm saying Ms. Akşener might actually go for a, another alliance within the opposition is because A, she has this loyal base and she doesn't have a threshold problem. Now, going forward... If it so becomes that Babajan and Davutoğlu are convinced that they cannot clear the threshold, then they will have to change their position. Even if they are around 7-8%, which they are not right now, but you know we will see in the coming times, if they cannot clear the threshold, then their political movements are rather stillborn. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many conditionalities to this, I realize, but I see it as a likely scenario whereby if... Neither Mr. Babajan or Davutoğlu show up in the polls that, you know, convince everybody and themselves that, you know, they're clearing the threshold, then such a coalition, such an alliance becomes their only hope of making it to the parliament. And they have to make it to the parliament if they want to be in this game for the middle term. The last topic that I would like to discuss in the same framework today, John, is even if they would manage this, EY, uh, DEVA and Future Party, It seems that it might even be impossible for them if the MHP's proposal, David Bahçeli's proposal, to change the political party's law that would stop transfer between the political parties. That would be the only way, as you said, if they cannot make the threshold, if there is an alliance, that means that some of the deputies, the candidates, would be declared under E-Party. This was tried in, in a few elections in Turkey's history and it worked. It seems that that is the only legal way to provide this alliance work and to get DEVA and FUTURE into the parliament. If that is the case, if Devlet Bahçeli's proposal is considered seriously by President Erdogan, if they go ahead with a vote at the parliament to change the law, then what happens? Now, I don't think Mr. Erdogan actually likes this idea. From what I understand, John, so the would-be law... The aim is not to actually prevent one MP going from one party to the other, but it's making it harder 
for the MP to come back. So, you know, sort of to increase the cost of leaving your party. In any case, I don't think Mr. Erdogan is really supportive of this idea. And the reason is, if such a law is passed right now, then it gives the wild card to Mr. Bahçeli to call snap elections anytime he likes. Because once that law is passed, then Mr. Bahçeli no longer having the risk of being pushed under the threshold by the new parties has the wild card to call snap elections at any time that he likes. And if history has taught us anything, when Mr. Abarçili asks for elections, there are elections in Turkey, right? So yes. I don't think Mr. Erdogan would want Bahçeli to have this kind of a wild card in his hands. So that's why, although we hear a lot of rumors about such a law being drafted, I doubt very much uh, that uh, Mr. Erdogan is actually uh, personally in favor of this. Right. And also, I have been talking to some observers in Ankara. Some people inside the AKP in the ruling party are opposed to this idea and they are worried that this push from David Bacili and this push from MHB might actually counterproductive for the government. And they are worried that this might actually lead to outcomes that might look similar to what happened in the Istanbul rerun election of last year when the AKP lost the second time. I don't know if the president is listening to these concerns among his party ranks, but at least uh, as far as I know, there are many people who are opposed to the idea in the AKP ranks. But of course, it's uh, President Erdogan who calls the shots. He might have different reasons to oppose the idea. This will have to be seen in the next weeks. Uh, it seems that this is going to be a heated summer again. Uh, thank God we don't have an election this summer. <laughs> it will be an election pause, but it's well evident that the politics will be lively. As for today, this is all from us. Until next week, take care, stay healthy and enjoy the summer. Thank you, Jansu, and thank you everybody for listening and hopefully talk to you again next week. See you, Jan. Goodbye. Bye-bye.